Hi friends, my name is Jess Piper, and this is The Dirt Road Democrat. On this episode, I'll be talking about Missouri's GOP supermajority. This show is brought to you by the Heartland Pod and our Patreon supporters. To learn more and join us, go to heartlandpod.com and click the Patreon link to get signed up to support my show and the others in the Heartland Pod family to get bonus content and special access for events. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter or X or whatever he's calling it, Instagram and Facebook on Piper for Missouri. On TikTok, you can find me at Jess Piper Mo, and be sure to follow the Heartland Pod on all accounts. Hey friends, thanks for coming back for another episode of the Dirt Road Democrat. And today I thought I would just shoot it straight about what it's like to live in a red state under a GOP supermajority, a supermajority that in Missouri we've had for 20 years. You know, I was asked to write a guest commentary for the Kansas City Star and I jumped on it. (laughs) I was like, uh, yeah, Um, to have an audience to be able to talk about what's going on in Missouri is, you know, a big deal. That's why I'm so happy that you guys join me every single week. But um, I really wanted to focus on what the last 20 years has done to this state. And Missouri is a great place to live. I mean, it's beautiful. We have natural resources. We have access to land and water, and it's a good place to be. But the politics of this state are driving people out. They're driving people crazy. And uh, they're leaving, leading to some pretty awful metrics for our state. You know, CNBC creates a list every single year. The 10 best places to live and work in the United States and the 10 worst. Well, guess where Missouri landed? In the 10, one of the 10 worst states to live and work in the country. Um, And from the site, from CNBC, it says, The Show Me State is showing abortion opponents the way. In 2019, the state became the first to enact a so-called trigger law, which went into effect moments after the Supreme Court um, overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, The law is one of the strictest in the nation. It bans all abortion except in the case of a medical emergency, which, friends, we know that that means that you know, children have, who have been the victim of rape and incest um, have no access to abortion care in Missouri. Uh, it bans all abortions um, except for those medical emergencies, and the abortion provider must prove uh, that it was an emergency, which is difficult, right? Or they could be scared that they'll lose their license if they can't prove that a, a woman is in you know, danger of imminent death. Um, and also Missouri's violent crime rate is among the highest in the nation. So um, our weaknesses were voting rights, reproductive rights, and crime. And if we could talk about crime for just a second, I address this um, in, my, in my article in the, the Kansas City Star. Missouri nullified federal gun laws almost two years ago. And people from out of the state will always say, you can't do that. (laughs) Federal law supersedes state law. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, come to Missouri. We still have federal gun laws nullified in this state. It makes it um, where Missouri police officers 
could be ticketed and fined $50,000 for working with a federal uh, agent on a gun crime. That impacts how police officers are able to investigate, right? I mean, Missouri is a state where literal toddlers can open carry guns because our GOP supermajority decided that we would have no minimum age to open carry rifles. I mean, it's insanity. It's insanity, right? Those of you that are here know that. Those of you that may live in red states uh, probably feel this. And those of you that live in red or blue states are probably horrified. But let me tell you, what happens in these red states bleeds out into yours, right? I mean, our crazy state legislators are, are reaching into other states and impacting other people. None of us are, are safe until you know we pull back on this extremism. Support this show and all of the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at $1 per month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon link, or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. And now, back to the show. So back to the guest commentary that I was able to publish in the Kansas City Star. It was published on July 16th. So if you followed politics for any amount of time, you know the mantra, all politics is local. And that couldn't be more true. But when I talk to folks out here, I hear Trump and Biden a lot. And let me tell you why Jeff City is more important to Missourians than Washington, D.C. When I knocked on doors for local candidates, even me, I've often talked about the horrible state of our roads in Northwest Missouri and how many of our schools have gone to four-day week schedules. And I would have folks come to the door and answer these facts with, well, Biden. Friends, (laughs) Joe Biden has no idea where Maryville is, but your state representative does. And he's the one defunding schools and causing those four-day weeks and starving the Missouri Department of Transportation of funds, causing all those cracks and crumbling roads even while the state sits on $8 billion surplus. The Missouri GOP has held legislative control of this state for two decades. Yep, 20 years. And there's a disconnect when I, with what I hear folks say when we're standing on their porch and what's actually going on in Missouri. I hear a lot of my neighbors complain about the Democrats and the way they've shaped things in the state. And I'm like, wait, what? There's not one Democrat holding a statewide office in Missouri. The last one was Nicole Galloway, who was our auditor, and she left office a year ago. If there's any one party to blame for the way our state's functioning, there's only the GOP to answer. Its members occupy the governor's office, and they have supermajorities in both the state house and state senate. And sometimes when I talk about this, people are like, oh, yeah, okay, well, now do the cities, you know, talk about St. Louis, uh, talk about Kansas City, where the Democrats are in charge. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Did you know that Republican state legislators have passed laws that prohibit local control, tying the hands of blue city mayors and overriding what the people who live there want? When confronted with local legislation they disagree with, Republicans in the state legislature have weighed in and they banned it. They overruled local minimum wage requirements. They denied Kansas City Democratic Mayor uh, 
Mayor Q any local control over his police department and force the biggest cities to work with gun legislation that harms residents. Remember I told you about uh, the state nullifying federal gun laws, right? Last year, <laughs> they even tried to overturn a ban on cat decline that had been adopted in St. Louis. <laughs> What's going on? The Republicans own this state and the problems they created, even in the cities. So what does the Missouri GOP have to show for 20 years of legislative dominance in this state? We're now ranked 50th in teacher pay, and we're ranked 49th in educational funding. Missouri funds only about 32% of a local school's budget, and that means that 68% of the school's needs have to come from local property taxes. Friends, I live in a town of 480 people. We have a smoke shop and a gas station. That's tough, right? That's tough. What other metrics can we thank our local GOP reps for attaining? Well, we rank ninth highest in gun deaths, and we're in the top 10 states with the highest gun-related homicide rates. In 2007, the Republicans repealed a permit to purchase law that had been on the books for 80 years. Afterward, there was an increase in the gun homicide rate of 47%. Did you hear that, friends? After they repealed the permit law, we had a gun homicide rate of uh, increase of 47%. And while we're second in the nation in men killing their in intimate partners with guns, and we're only behind Alaska in that metric, some GOP lawmakers want domestic violent offenders to keep their guns. Children who can't legally drive a car yet can openly carry guns down Missouri streets. Have I mentioned that guns are the leading cause of death among children and teens in Missouri? <laughs> what are we doing? Another 35% of Missouri's rural hospitals are currently at risk of closing because they aren't bringing in enough revenue and they don't have enough in reserves. And this is because our state legislators refuse to expand Medicaid for years. Even when we put it on the ballot and we expanded it, they tried to refuse to fund it. That's what's going on. Please pay attention to state politics, right? Medicaid was expanded by the people, not by our politicians. Right to work for less was beaten back by the people. Medical and recreational marijuana, those were both approved by the people. We have to fight for these things using ballot initiative process. And guess what the GOP is, is currently attacking? that ballot initiative process. They don't want us to have a way to get around their awful policies. What I try to tell people is that our lives are most impacted by state politics. Like your local rep voted for an abortion ban that would force your niece to deliver a pregnancy resulting from a rape or your wife to die because she's septic with a non-viable pregnancy that can't be aborted in the state. Your local rep let rural hospitals close. He refused to accept federal dollars, federal dollars, friends, to expand Medicaid. Your local rep voted against union wages. Your local Republican representative is down in Jeff City playing footsies with donors, right? He doesn't care about us. He cares about his donors. They are not passing meaningful legislation to make our lives better. <laughs> Did you know that Missouri's Governor Mike Parson turned down over $42 million of federal funds to feed hungry kids? It's mind-boggling, right? Federal funds 
that were um, distributed to other states. And this is from the Kansas City Star as well on that story. Uh, it says Missouri doesn't have the greatest track record of providing for its poorest residents. So it's not surprising, um, but deeply disappointing that the state government has begged off participation in a federal program that would have helped feed thousands of hungry school children during this year's summer break from school. The pandemic electronic benefits transfer program would provide $120, an EBT card, to every child who participated in the free or reduced lunch program um, at their schools. 40 states are participating in the program this year. Missouri is not. Officials say they didn't have the infrastructure in place to make the plan work this summer and that they're aiming to be ready for possible impl implementation in future years. I need to stop right here and tell you this, though. Missouri's sitting on $8 billion, with a B, $8 billion in surplus. And we couldn't get ourselves together to get some sort of infrastructure to get this money, these federal funds, out to hungry kids. It's weird, right? Anyway, whether they can do so, whether they can, you know, implement this, uh, we'll say something about either the competence of Missouri governance or the state's commitment to serving its most uh, vulnerable residents, or perhaps both. It's incredibly frustrating, said Christine Woody, the food security policy manager at Empower Missouri, an advocacy organization. In Missouri, that's hundreds of thousands of kids who could have gotten the money to help their families when they're all home from school. Nationally, the EBT program launched in 2020 as a way to provide meals to children who could no longer eat at school after uh, COVID lockdowns began. And Congress has extended the program several times. Until now, it has been a temporary effort enacted in response to emergency. Next summer, though, it's going to become a permanent program. So will Missouri be ready? Recent history offers reasons for doubt. As the nonprofit Missouri Independent has reported, the state struggled mightily to provide the EBT benefits in previous years. The program was supposed to pay out a benefit of $391 per child during the summer of 2022. Missouri just now, this year, started distributing that aid, right? A year later. They just started doing that last month. Really? Most other states naturally finished distributing 2022 aid by the end of that year. Late aid is arguably better than no aid, perhaps, but the delay was distressing to the many families who were waiting for the assistance. They knew it was coming, but they couldn't get it. To be fair, administering the EBT program has been administratively difficult for many states. The program requires schools, ed departments, and social service agencies uh, to coordinate information. It's challenging. It's technically complex. Um, so Missouri isn't the only state to struggle with the demands of the new program. It is, however, one of the few to actually opt out of this summer rather than finding a solution. We opted out instead of trying to fix it. That means foregoing, by one count, roughly $42 million in federal aid that could help more than 300,000 children. And reporting today from the editorial board of um, the St. Louis Post, um, the editorial is titled, Missouri Fumbles 42 Million, Again Showing It's Among the Worst-Run States in America. Missouri's government is walking away from the tens of millions of dollars that would have put food in low-income kids' bellies because it's incapable of carrying out its end of a federal benefits program that at least 40 other states managed to navigate. 
Chalk it up to the same endemic failures that have driven away teachers because of Missouri's low pay, short-changed needed infrastructure, and presided over some of the highest mortality rates in the country. All while the legislature has busied itself with short-sighted tax cuts and gratuitous culture war tax on large swaths of its own citizens citizenry. It is the latest note in an all-too-familiar course of dysfunction in one of the worst-run states in America. If there are two defining characteristics of Missouri's Republican-run government, they are ideological extremism and governmental incompetence. The story of how the state's needy kids were blocked from accessing some $42 million in available federal food benefits appears to check both of these boxes. Missouri is leaving the $42 million there, untouched by our state. The state is foregoing its participation this year after last year's program dragged into this summer, right? No one should underestimate the mind-numbing level of bureaucracy necessary to administer a federal program, but other states managed it, and most of them are dispersing last year's funds um, within just a few months of last summer. As a result of not accepting these federal funds, Missouri didn't even get last year's program up and running until this summer, right? Technical, uh, technological lapses aren't a new story in our government, um, and the current regime has shown little interest in addressing the problem. Remember, remember when the Post-Dispatch discovered in 2021 that a glitch in the state system was publicly exposing thousands of teachers' social security numbers, even mine <laughs> and my husband's, Governor Parson responded not with determination to like finally bring his state's infrastructure into, into the 21st century, but with a bizarre legal vendetta against the reporter who told him that these social security numbers were up on the site. Governmental food dragging has, uh, foot dragging has become typical on these issues that are crucial to regular Missourians, um, but they don't offer any clear ideological payoff to the right-wing political leaders. It took 25 years to Missouri to finally pass a gas tax in 2021 for our highways and bridge up upgrades. And when the, fa the state finally addressed its rock bottom teacher salaries recently, it didn't just, like they didn't just raise them, but instead offered school districts a temporary matching grant program that many of them can't use and which doesn't solve the problem. After the legislature refused for years to expand Medicaid with federal subsidies, federal money, Another instance of Missouri politicians leaving millions of federal dollars on the table to the detriment of our state's low-income residents. The state's voters, we finally had to overrule them, right? And even then they tried to block it. The St. Louis Post um, board finally leaves us with these thoughts on Medicaid expansion and, you know, feeding hungry kids. Perhaps there was an underlying factor like the one, you know, that stalled Medicaid expansion here for so long. The factor of ruling of a ruling GOP that would rather its own residents suffer than to give a Democratic president a policy win. And they say, perhaps that's too cynical. Maybe Missouri is shortchanging its hungry kids, not out of political animus, but just plain old governmental incompetence. When voters next year consider whether to keep these leaders in charge, they should think long and hard about whether that distinction really matters. So this just makes you 
<laughs> makes your head want to explode, right? We see what's going on. We know who's in charge in Missouri. 20 years, GOP supermajority. There is not one Democrat elected statewide. You cannot blame any of the failures of Missouri on Democrats. If we have to point to a party, it's got to be the GOP. It has to be the Republicans because they are the ones in charge. And the most maddening part, friends, and this is where, you know, we can do something. We can do something. We can stop electing these folks. But I'm going to tell you a problem with that. 40% of Missouri seats last year went uncontested. 40%. That means 66 representatives walked down to Jeff City without even having a job interview. Right? Without even having to campaign. It means 2.5 million Missourians had no choice on their ballot. There was no Democratic candidate or nominee for a state rep on their, candidate, on their ballot. What can we do? What do we do? We have to fund nominees to go head-to-head with these folks, right? We have to stop walking away from difficult races. We have to stop putting our hands up and saying, well, it's too far gone. It's too red. We can't do anything. Because, friends, that's how we got here. That's how we got here. We can pull ourselves out. We can come back. Look at Michigan. Look at Wisconsin. Look at Minnesota. We can pull ourselves out of this hole. But it's going to take all of us, right? Pulling in in the same direction, right? That's why I do what I do. That's why I'm executive director of Blue Missouri. That's why we crowdfund for candidates who usually don't get a cent of, you know, state party money. Because, you know, the state party is struggling itself trying to fund candidates in five or six districts that they hope can flip so um, that we get out of the super minority problem. But I know, I know that every race matters. And you know that too, right? You know that we're going to have to fund candidates in places where we won't win immediately, where it might take a couple cycles. What did the GOP do? They did that. That was the long game for them, and they won. Look, they got the, they got the Supreme Court, right? They did it. They've been playing this game since the 1950s, since Brown v. Board, right? Everything... That is unholy (laughs) and terrible that is going on in our state right now can be traced back to the GOP. And the only thing we can do, friends, is fight back. And that starts with funding, well, finding candidates (laughs) to run in all these districts and then funding them. Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Dirt Road Democrat. I I really appreciate you and uh, can't wait to see you next week. Bye, friends. Dirt Road Democrat is brought to you by the Heartland Pod, a mid-map media production. Producers are Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Dillon. Theme music by Adam Summer. Host, Jessica Piper. Learn more at heartlandpod.com. Thank you.